Well, good morning, Faith Family. How's everybody doing this morning? Good? It's so good to see you here this morning. So excited about the message this morning. It's a very uplifting message, and, and I know you'll be encouraged by it the same way I was encouraged as I was studying through it. Uh, I want to I first say, though, I want to just sort of bring awareness to a couple of ministries in our church and to say during this, this season of Thanksgiving, thank you as a church for supporting these two ministries. Uh, the first one that I want to mention is the, um, is the Celebrate Recovery Ministry that meets here every Monday night. This past Monday, we celebrated three years of this ministry since launching it. And I'll tell you, there's been a lot of life transformation in this place through that ministry. I just want to say thank you to Pat Patton, who is uh, leading up that, that ministry. And then all the just countless volunteers that help with that ministry. There's, there's so many people that are that are just discipling others and, and just being a part of, of do, this just great ministry. And not only that, but a lot of our life groups are very supportive uh, as well every Monday as they bring food and stuff for this ministry. And so I just want to say thank you, Cross Point Church, for your involvement in this ministry and, and your participation. It's really a great ministry that's taken place to reach our community for Christ. And then the other ministry that I want to just uh, thank you for is our Share the Season uh, ministry that's going on right now. We, you know, we do, uh, we sort of bundle a lot of different things into that share the season ministry. But uh, just today, this afternoon, we have just boxes and boxes of, of Thanksgiving dinners going out into uh, the, the homes of several different families across uh, our community. And as a result of your generosity and your giving to this great ministry, uh, there will be 700 plus people that will have Thanksgiving dinner this year that wouldn't normally have it. And that's worthy of praise. Amen? 700 people. You know, I, I was thinking about that, just 700 people, and this week I got a letter from someone who was actually on the receiving end of that ministry last year. And I got the letter uh, just a few days ago, and I was reading through the letter, and it was a young lady, single mom, who was telling me of how, what a great blessing it was to receive that dinner. And as she went on to say, thank you, Pastor David, for all you do, but then also all that the church does. She was, she was just talking about how she had gotten plugged in this year with a, with a life group, and she was living and discovering Jesus uh, in, in that life group, and how she just involved in so many different ministries. In fact, this past year, she is involved in going and taking food to those that are receiving the Adopt-A-Box this year. So last year she was a recipient, and because of what God's doing in her life this year, she's participating in, in giving. And so just a remarkable testimony. But one of the things that she said that was just so striking to me was that she said, as a single mom, the food that we provided didn't just give her a Thanksgiving dinner. It was enough food to feed her family for a week. And when you start looking at it like that, those 700 people suddenly become 3,500 meals that are provided through Adopt-A-Box ministry. And that's worthy of praise this morning as we celebrate what Jesus is doing in the lives of others. You can clap. Praise God. Amen. And so I just want to say thank you to our faith family for just the, the efforts that you provide in these two wonderful ministries. We still have the, uh, the, uh, the, the Christmas tree uh, ministry that's going on and and we want to provide christmas presents for some that are that are less fortunate this year and i'll just tell you the the recipients of those gifts that we will give 
with our with our Christmas tree uh, ministry, giving tree ministry, will be uh, going to kids that range anywhere from the children we've connected with at Bubs down in uh, south side of town to all the way to Honduras this year. And so, uh, again, thank you so much for just being a part of the Share the Season ministry. It's been a blessing to a lot of people, and so thank you for that. This morning, as we prepare to dive into God's Word and, and, and continue our study in Romans 8, I want to pray for us, but uh, let's just continue to just be thankful during this season of the year uh, for all that God is doing in our lives and in the lives of many. So let's pray together this morning. Father, thank you so much for this day, and Father, for the opportunity that we have as followers of Christ Jesus to give back, God, just a little of what you've given to us. And we do that in so many different ways. God, there's many of us here today that give through our finances, but there's others who give of their service. And God, even more that give just as the need arises. And, and Father, just how wonderful it is to, to be a part of a, a, of a marvelous work where, God, you are doing incredible things in our lives spiritually. And Lord, leading us and, and, and providing us opportunities to give back to our community through wonderful ministries like Celebrate Recovery and Adopt-A-Box and the Giving Tree Ministry. Father, I pray that as we continue throughout this holiday season, that God, that there would be lives that are impacted not only by our efforts, but, but by your presence in their life. And God, we pray that people would come to know you and that people would be reached with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Lord, lives would be transformed forever. And Lord, everything that we do, we pray that God, we would do it all for the glory of God. Lord, we love you so much and we thank you for your presence here this morning as we prepare to dive into your word. I pray, Father, that you would prepare our hearts and our minds to be receptive to your word. God, I pray that you would help us to place aside every distraction that may exist in our life as we get ready to dive into your word, that we may clearly hear from you. And God, be encouraged by the reality of your word and what it teaches us today. God, we love you so much and we thank you for your presence as believers in Christ Jesus, we just love you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. As we move through into today's passage, what we're going to see is that there's a new theme that's presented to us here in Romans. We've been walking through Romans and we've seen so much about what, what Paul is, is writing. One of the most significant theological letters that we find in the Scripture, where Paul is writing to this young a church in, in, in Rome, this gathering of believers, and as he writes to them, you know, he's teaching them so much about who Christ is and, and, and what it means to be walking in the Spirit, to be living in the Spirit, to be uh, just really used by, by God in remarkable ways. It's a theological letter. It's a, it has deep theological impact in our lives as we read through it. But what we notice today as we dive into this text is that what happens is the Word of God brings us a, a theme. There, there's a new theme that emerges here that, that we've not yet seen in, in Romans. And, and, and it's one that is very refreshing. It's one that really presents to us or brings to us a sense of freedom. It gives us new insight on what it means to, to be people of love and, and faith. And it, and it helps us to understand the joy and the hope that we have found in Christ Jesus. This theme that I'm speaking about is a theme of, of adoption. 
It's a, it's a theme of, of really becoming children of God. We sang about that earlier as we were lifting up our voices in praise and adoration to God. We were singing our praises to Him, and we were talking about how wonderful it is to be a child of God. But today's message really helps us to understand that, to define what it really means to be, to be brought into the, 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 the family of God and to be children of God. And so this morning, I'm very excited about this. I believe that this passage reveals something about ourselves, but it also believes something about God. I mean, it reveals something about God. And through this lesson today, we can see how the two really just sort of relate to one another. And so this morning, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Romans chapter 8. We're looking at verses 12 through 17. Romans chapter 8, verses 12 through 17. The title to today's message is Hashtag Heirs, where we have become not only children of God, but the Scripture says we have become heirs of God. And so this morning we want to look at that. Now remember, Paul is writing to this young church, this, this gathering of disciples that live in the area of Rome, and, and he is writing to them, and he is teaching them so many deep theological truths, and he's presenting these different things, but but as he gets to Romans chapter 8, he, he is really offering a theological study, if you will, on the Holy Spirit. And so here we see him continuing in this. We're, we're going to continue to see that language being used as Paul presents exactly who it is that God is. And, and, and we've seen in the weeks previous to this that, that he has spoken a lot about life transformation and the reality that as a child of God or as someone who is a disciple of Christ Jesus, we are no longer who we used to be, but we have been radically transformed into a new creation, the Bible would describe us, as someone who is living for Jesus and, 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 and living in pursuit of His righteousness and His holiness. And so we continue to read through this and, and we see the things that, that Paul is speaking of here, talking about really living a life in the Spirit. And so this morning we get to Romans chapter 8, verse 12, and we read these words. Read with me if you will. So then, brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh, for if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put, death, put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children of God, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, providing we suffer with Him in order that we may also be glorified with him. Now, of these six verses, the first two really sort of set the stage for what Paul is hoping to communicate or teach us in the remaining four. You see, Paul, he, he, he serves these first two to sort of tee up the, the topic of discussion, if you will. And the message is real clear that Paul is presenting. As we have seen in the previous two messages as well, the message that Paul is presenting to us is this. To either put sin to death in our life, or sin will ultimately destroy us. To put sin to death 
in our life or ultimately sin will destroy us. You see, the reality is what Christ has done in us is to set us free from sin. But as followers of Christ Jesus, we must embrace the discipline of putting sin to death. We are a new creation. We are a new creature in Christ Jesus. And he has saved us from our sins, and we must now discipline ourselves by putting that sin to death and now pursuing a life of Christ Jesus where we are chasing after his righteousness and living for his holiness. And so it's a new pursuit for us. And we see Paul sort of bringing this up as as a bit of a reminder before he moves really into that topic that he is really looking to discuss in this passage, and that is the, the theme of adoption. And so we see this as Paul writes these words in verse 13. He says, For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. You know, sin affects every one of us. It absolutely affects every single one of us. Sin can destroy us. It can destroy our fellowship with God. It can destroy our peace that we have in our life because of what Christ has done in our life. Many times in in, in helping others to overcome sin in their life, the one common thread that I see time and time again is that there's just absolutely an absence of peace in their life. I meet with people day after day after day who are struggling with sin and, and, and through discipleship we hope to help them overcome that sin in their life. But over and over and over the one thing that is absent in their life is peace because of sin in their life. And so sin can destroy us. It can kill us. It can move us away from God. It, 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 we, we know that the Scriptures are very clear that we have an enemy who seeks to kill and destroy, who, who seeks to ruin our very lives. And what happens when there's sin in our life, when we fail to put sin to death and, and pursue the righteousness of Christ, when this exists in our life, there, there happens to be this, this, this time in our life we find ourselves in where we begin to believe the lies of this enemy. Who begins to tell us things like this. You know, God is really disappointed in you. And God probably doesn't want to have anything to do with you. And that God's not going to forgive these sins because there's just too many in your life. We begin to believe, you know, God doesn't want anything to do with you. He he is upset with you. And we begin to, to fall prey or fall victim of these lies from the the one who seeks to destroy us. But the, but the Word of God, exactly what is presented here today, teaches us that God is a caring God. And that while we were yet still sinners, Christ died for us. And so if He was willing to die while we were yet still sinners, then why, as believers in Christ Jesus, would God refuse to forgive the sin in our life as we are being sanctified by the Holy Spirit of God? God is a beautiful God. He's a wonderful God. He's an amazing God. He's an awesome God, and He cares deeply for every one of His children. But here we see that Paul reminds us to put this sin to death. When we begin to trust Christ as superior over what sin has to offer to us, that's when we are living our life led by the Spirit of God. And it's so important that we understand that. 
to trust Christ rather than to lean on the sin in our life. And Paul says here, he says, if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. I love what Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9 and 10. He says, he, he says this, he says, But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. How many of us have ever felt weak in the midst of difficult circumstances in our life? Or maybe even in the midst of sins that we struggle with? Most all of us. Most all of us have found ourselves in the midst of a very difficult situation. Sometimes brought on by ourselves. Sometimes just a matter of circumstances in our life. But here Paul says, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient. My grace, grace is what? Grace is receiving that which we don't deserve. My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in your weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with my weaknesses, with insults, with hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Why? Because of the presence of the Holy Spirit in our life. In our weakness, we are made strong. And so Paul reminds us of this, this spiritual discipline that needs to exist in our life where we intentionally fight, we intentionally put off and put to death the sin in our life. And then he moves on because this isn't all he wants to reveal to us today. He moves on because he wants us to know something that is really amazing. He wants us to know, and this is the first truth that I want to present to us here this morning, that God is our Father. That God is our Father. Now, many of you are probably thinking, yeah, I knew that. But do we understand the depths of what it means for God to be our Father? Paul says here, God is our Father. And, and, and this is what we read in verse 14 and 15. He says, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, look at this now, Abba, Father. We have received the spirit of adoption. And as children of God, we cry, Abba, Father. Now, it makes sense when we look at a passage like that, that we immediately begin to sort of compare what God would mean to us as a father by examining the role of our own father on this earth. In other words, our earthly parents. You know, growing up as a kid, I, I, I had the privilege of having two dads, really, uh, through an unfortunate circumstance. When I was very young, my parents divorced. They Neither one of them were believers at the time, and they divorced, and they, 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 they were still very mutually uh, cordial to one another. And so me and my sisters, we grew up in this, this sort of divorce situation where we would be between houses, and, and, and both of my parents eventually remarried. And so, so I grew up with not only a dad, but a stepdad as well. And through the course of getting to know them and growing up with them, 
I came to believe and realize that I had two wonderful daddies in my life. I had one who was my biological daddy, and I had a stepdad who cared deeply for me as well. And I remember just as I grew up learning from these two men just how you know, amazing things were. I mean, they were, they were just wonderful teachers. Much, both of them were just radically different from one another, but both of them also just very good daddies as they taught their son how to live out his life. But we'd make a grave mistake in comparing our earthly dads to what Paul is saying here about our Abba Father because they can't compare. As much as I love my dad and as good a relationship that I have with both of these men in my life, they don't compare to who my Father in heaven really is. And so we would do it injustice to sort of think of the Father in heaven in the same regards as our earthly fathers. And so what we see here is that Paul, he begins to help us to understand exactly who God is as our Father by these words that he uses here today. The first description that we see here of God is this, or I want us to look at here, is this. He says these two words. He says, Abba, Father, Abba, Father. And this is of great significance for us to understand. The word Abba is a word that was, comes from the Aramaic origin, an Aramaic origin, and it literally means highly affectionate and caring. Highly affectionate and caring. And so when Paul presents God as our Father, he's saying, listen, he's saying to them, he says, listen, I know I just mentioned the, the results of sin in our life and the need for us to be disciplined in putting sin to death, but, but let me tell you, you have a Father. And he uses this term, Abba Father, this Father that is very, very affectionate and He is very caring and He cares deeply for you. And what great news for us to consider our Father in heaven as we think about forgiveness and mercy in the midst of our sin. He is a God of grace. He cares deeply for His children. He doesn't want them running astray. He wants to care for them. He wants to look after them. And so we see this word Abba that has great significance and meaning that really points to a God who truly does love us unconditionally. And then he uses this word Father, which is a much more uh, used word in, 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 throughout Scripture. We see this all the way from the, from the Old Testament through the New Testament where God is often referred to as Father. We see this often as we see our interaction with God through prayer. Jesus himself, when he was talking to his disciples and they said, Lord, teach us how to pray. And he said, pray like this, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Our Father. What a remarkable way to view God even though we must view Him in a much higher standard, a much higher place than the way we might know our daddies on this earth. These words together really demonstrate for us the complete nature of who God is as Father and how it is that He relates to us. Now, here's the other word that Paul uses. Not only does he say, Abba, Father, showing us that he is highly affectionate and very caring, but he also 
by bringing these two words together, we, we come to understand something really amazing about him. But we see another word here in the scripture, and it's this word adoption. And I want us to look at that for just a moment. In verse 15, the word says this, but you have received the spirit of adoption. You have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Now, one of the dangers of us as we look at this text is, is thinking about one of the temptations for us would be to think about Adoption in the same light as the way our culture defines adoption today. And unfortunately, in many situations, adoption is sort of looked at as an inferior to natural birth or, or something of that nature, you know, natural order of things. But, but, but here in this passage, we must understand that that is not the case. In other words, on the contrary, adoption in Jesus' day carried great significance. Adoption in Jesus' day was very deliberate and it was very purposeful. If someone was adopted into a family, it had great significance. And so on the contrary, there's, there's, no, there's no inferior relationship here just because there's the area of adoption. I love what F.F. Bruce, a great theologian and commentarian, once wrote. He said this, writing on his commentary on Romans, he says, in the Roman world of the first century A.D., an adopted son was a son deliberately chosen by his adopted father to perpetuate his name and inherit his estate. He was in no way inferior in status to a son born in the ordinary course of nature and might well enjoy the father's affection more fully and reproduce the father's character more worthily. I love that last part, to reproduce the father's character more worthily you know we know as disciples of christ jesus that we are called to be what to be christ-like in other words we are to put on the character of christ to put on to live a life of holiness and righteousness to live out the character of god in our life not in a pursuit of the world not in a pursuit of sin but in a pursuit of the righteousness of christ and here what we see according to what F.F. F. Bruce has to say here, is that oftentimes the adopted son was in a better position to do that than the natural son of some, someone of their day. And so we see this remarkable thing playing out, this idea of adoption, this idea of God the Father, a caring Father, an affectionate Father. I love what 1 Peter 2.9 says. It says, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. I don't know about you, but when I look at this, I see adoption all over it. It starts off, but you are a chosen race. That, the, that, that our God would choose to call us His children, that He would choose to call us the children of God, that we would become heirs because of His sovereignty, because of His power, because of His wooing of the Holy Spirit, drawing us in to Him for salvation and ultimately for sanctification. But then He says this, that we may proclaim the excellencies of Him who called you out of darkness 
and into the marvelous light. That we as his disciples, adopted as sons and daughters, would proclaim the character of God with our lives. And so here we see that God is our Father. We also see, and this is the second truth that I want to present today, that we are God's children and heirs. We are God's children and heirs. In verse 16 and 17, he really digs deep or drills down on this truth here. He says in verse 16, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. The Spirit himself bears witness bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children of God, then heirs of God. How many of you are thankful this morning that you sit here today a child of God? Isn't that worthy of celebration? Isn't that worthy of us praising an almighty and all-powerful God who says, I love you so much that I want to adopt you into my family And you, as a chosen race, as a chosen priesthood, you will be my children. You will be my heirs. What an amazing God. You know, we we look at this passage and we see such unrestrained, unrestrained affection that Paul has for God the Father, for God the Son. For God the Holy Spirit. I mean, you can't help but read Romans 8 and just see the affection that the Apostle Paul has for God. That Jesus Christ would would dare to meet Him on that road to Damascus. And one day, here this enemy of God would be transformed, radically transformed by God's grace and His mercy that his life would suddenly be radically different than before. Where no longer he is a man who is persecuting Christians, no longer is he a man who is wanting to put an end to this thing called Christianity, but now he is a man who is living by the Spirit, and he lives with this unrefrained affection toward God. He loves him simply because he is God. You know, I love modern technology. One of, the greatest, uh, one of the greatest blessings in my life is being a granddad. It happened just a little over a year ago. Most of you know this because we celebrate this every time she has a birthday. I will be letting you know, okay? I'm very excited about my granddaughter. But one of the greatest blessings that I have every morning about 7.30 when she's had time to get up and have her breakfast and get her diaper changed and now she's in a good mood is that I call her on FaceTime. I love that. Because it's much too early to just call and say, hey, Caroline, how are you doing? You know, it's just much too early for that. She hasn't started talking yet. But, but I call her on FaceTime, and as, as we call her number on FaceTime, my daughter, she sees that call coming in, and Linnell and I are standing there just giddy as we can be, ready to just talk to her every single day. We don't miss a day. And, and, and so here she, she holds the phone to where Caroline can see it, 
And usually when it comes up, you know, Caroline's playing with her toys or doing something over here, and it never fails. I love to do this because I can say, hey, pumpkin doodle, just like that. That's what I call her, pumpkin doodle. I know that's corny, but that's what I got for her. And <laughs> don't judge me for that one, okay? It just came out. She was born in October, and there were pumpkins everywhere. She was my, poor, she was my pumpkin doodle. But, but I'll say, hey, pumpkin doodle, and without fail, she will spin around. She knows my voice. She knows my voice, and she looks at that phone, unaware that I had just called in. She looks at the phone, and without fail, she runs to that phone, and she just wants to just dive into that thing. She wants to give me a hug, and I just love that. I love the expression on her face. I love the reality that that is the true heart of this grandbaby. To be with her granddad, to come, and, and she, just, she just shows such, such un restrained affection for her granddad. Now, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's the noises that the iPhone makes. I don't know. But I'm convinced it's me, okay? I'm convinced that she wants to spend time with me. Linnell calls her my best friend and, and me her best friend because she just, I don't know why, we just have connected ever since. But I love that. And as I look at these passages, I wonder, I wonder how pleased God would be with us if we showed that same childlike, unrestrained affection toward Him. When we hear His voice in the morning, as we study God's Word, do we get that excited about the voice of God in our life, the moving of the Holy Spirit in our life? Do we show the same kind of affection? Do we just want to jump in His arms? Do we just want to be in His presence? Do we want to just live for Him and, and walk with Him? Do we want to spend time with Him? Why? Because He's God. Because He's God. He's an almighty God. He's an ever-powerful God. And he can't compare as much as I love my dad, as much as I love him, he can't compare to him the power that he possesses, the, the reality that he can, he can minister to each and every one of us fully. He can give every one of us his full undivided attention as though no one else in this world existed. That's our God. That's our God. And we know our Abba Father we know the Son, we know the Holy Spirit, because the Son was willing to go to the cross and die there, His blood shed for the atonement of our sins, buried in a grave. But having victory over death, He rose in three days. My friends, our faith would be nothing without the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The indwelling of the Holy Spirit. For us as believers in Christ, the reality is this, is that we can't even know God fully without Christ Jesus, without the Holy Spirit. God, our Abba, Father. He goes on to say here in verse 16, we are children of God. And in verse 17, and if children, then heirs. Galatians 4, 4-7, I love this passage. It says, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the Spirit of His Son 
into our hearts, crying what? Abba, Father. There are many benefits of being a child of God. And I want to sort of wrap up with a few of these. We don't have time, obviously, to go through all of them, but I just want to present a few of them here to you this morning. And the first one is just sort of a no-brainer for me, and I hope you would agree with this, but becoming a child of God is the highest grace-filled privilege on this earth. Becoming a child of God is the greatest privilege that we would ever have on this earth. How many of you will testify with that, with, with me on that? Knowing God is the greatest privilege. Knowing that God would care deeply enough for us that he would call us as his, his children. This is the greatest honor that we could ever receive. This is the greatest blessing that we could ever know that he would desire to walk with us. Ephesians 1.4 says this, Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will. Do you realize how great God is? Do you realize how great God is? Is that before the foundation of the world, God knew you. God loved you. Before the foundation of the world, God had set a path for your salvation. He had plans for your sanctification. Before the foundation of the world, before you could ever love Him, He first loved you. It is the greatest privilege I know to be called a child of God. The second thing that I wrote down was this, is that there is so much security in our future. There is security in our future. Ephesians 1.13 says this, In Him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation and believed in Him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. You know, in the book of Acts, we see where Jesus is getting ready to ascend into heaven, and He promises his disciples, that he will send a helper. And that helper will be the Holy Spirit. He will send the Holy Spirit. And here we see in Ephesians 1, 3, that in him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and you believed in him, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. Sealed with the promise. Holy Spirit. Our future is secure for those of us who are children of God. And then finally, and I just love this, He gives Himself to each one of us, every single one of us, listen, fully. He gives Himself fully to each and every one of us at all times. I, I love that. You know, growing up and having parents, you know, and even having children, you know, you'd have, you'd have, I remember having children and, 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 you know, one of my daughters would say, Daddy, help me with this. And you'd be helping her with this. And then another daughter, hey, Daddy, 
help me over here. And, and you're like, well, I can't right now. I've got, and then this one's crying, so you try, hold on. You, go, you, know, you can't give yourself fully to both of them at the same time. But that's just so untrue about who God is. He invests in every one of us fully. Every single one of us fully. He gives of himself to us. That we can have all of him all of the time. I love what A.W. Tozer, and I'm finished with this, but A.W. Tozer, he says this. He said, an infinite God can give of himself to each one of his children, all of himself. He does not distribute himself that each may have a part, but that each would have, each one he gives of himself as fully as if there were no others. That's our Abba Father. That's our Father who cares so deeply for us that He sent His Son, His only Son, to die on the cross that we could know Him in this way. In just a moment, our pastors are going to come and they're going to stand on the sides here. And if you would like to speak to a pastor today, they are here for you. You can come down and speak to them. They'll be glad to pray with you. I'll be on the front row if you want to come speak to me. After the service, we'll be in the connection room, which is just to my left, that door just to my left. And if you want to come and have a private conversation, we're in there. We're waiting because we want to answer your questions. We want you to know God as we know God. In just a moment, as the band comes and they begin to play and we sing this last song, maybe for you this is a time where during this spirit, this holiday season of Thanksgiving, Maybe what you want to do today is to come to this altar and just offer up a spirit of, of prayer, of thankfulness in your hearts for all that God has done for you. I truly believe we can't, we can't say to God enough, thank you for what you have done in my life. And so maybe during this last song, this is a time of thanksgiving as we approach the altar and we spend time in prayer just thanking God, praying for our neighbors that they would know our Abba Father like we know Him. That they would know the Son, Jesus Christ, who died on the cross for their sins as well as ours. That they too would be saved by grace through faith in Christ and that they would receive the sealed, promised Holy Spirit in their life as well. In just a moment, as we sing, will you respond in whatever way God is calling you to respond? May we, as the children of God, chase after Him with unrestrained affection, believing and trusting Him over all that this world offers, and following Him as we chase after the Father, we thank you for this day and we thank you, God, for all that you are in our life. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Father, we are thankful for your presence today in this place. We are thankful for the work that you're doing in our hearts each and every day. And God, we... We thank you. We praise you. 
Father, for the life transformation. We are thankful that we are no longer who we used to be. And God, may you place within us a hunger and a desire to chase after you with the kind of unrestrained affection that we see in Paul as this man preaches the truth to a gathering in Rome. And Lord, how this this letter becomes the Word of God for us to have today, to understand, God, what awaits you when we follow after you. God, thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy, your salvation. Thank you that you saved us by grace through faith in Christ Jesus, that we may know you as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Father, I pray that you would move in our hearts this morning in a mighty way, that as we leave this place today, God, we would forever be changed by your presence in our life. We love you. We worship you. We absolutely adore you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.